welcome to the UCLA Anderson Femba Drive Time Podcast. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm your host. And this week we have a faculty member, and it's always a treat when we get to hear from the people whose research and teaching really drives the core of the experience of UCLA Anderson, where, where great people come to improve their ability to think critically and make smart, savvy decisions in the face of uncertainty. So it's a great honor today to have Associate Professor of Management. I think almost everyone in FEMBA should know Professor Corinne Bendersky from some form or another. She is in management and organizations and has taught leadership foundations for many different years. And today you're going to get a special invitation if you're a second or third year looking at your bidding for winter quarter for her um, class incentives and motivations in organizations. So you're going to get a, a real special behind the scenes treat on look at why you might want to take that class. Um, but Professor Bendersky is an expert in workplace conflict, status and justice in teams and organizations. Her research resonates in constructive and concrete ways in both academe and business. Um, she's highly accomplished academically with a PhD from the MIT Sloan School of Management and her BA with honors from Oberlin College in Ohio. So it's my pleasure to be with Corinne Bendersky today. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. It's my pleasure to be here. So why don't we jump in? You know, you're a person who has devoted their life to trying to find things that aren't obvious to everyone else. So why don't we start with just telling people about your research and what it is that you like to do in that field? Well, I'm motivated to study people in organizations and people, particularly in teams and organizations, because I see a lot of dysfunctions and negative experiences or suboptimal experiences in the real world, both from my students organizations that I have worked for, consulted with, and done research in, uh, teams in particular have a lot of potential to be extraordinarily synergistic performance vehicles, and yet they also introduce innumerable challenges um, that are distinct and different from the challenges we face working as individuals or as members of larger departments. So I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm particularly intrigued by the experiences of people in those teams who maybe feel that they're undervalued or underappreciated. In my academic terms, they have low status, but lower status than they think they deserve. A lot of my research in the last few years has been focusing on how people try to increase their status within the groups. People try to take two paths to increasing their status in the groups. One is they try to be particularly good, strong contributors to the group. And the other path is they tend to be very competitive and try to compete for status by engaging in conflicts over their positions in the group. And this phenomenon that I call status conflict is one that I have looked at in a variety of different ways. Um, I'm also recently doing a lot of work on people who are very underrepresented in organizations and how they can attain status. Specifically, I've been studying female firefighters who comprise less than 4% of the profession and are systematically undervalued and sort of underappreciated because they're so incongruent, inconsistent with what we think of when we think of firefighters. So because of that, women firefighters have a very hard time attaining positions of status and respect. Hmm. So I've been uh, really fascinated. It's been a lot of fun for me to be in the field, going to spend a lot of time in fire departments. I've had the good fortune of going on ride-alongs on fire engines and having oh meals in fire stations and uh, getting to see what that occupational life is like. And I have incredible admiration and esteem for firefighters. And I'm now starting to do some training and consulting for fire departments on how that they can create more inclusive cultures and do better jobs at attracting and retaining female firefighters and firefighters from other underrepresented groups. Was it an undergrad or when did you really find your focus in terms of knowing that you wanted to look at teams and especially how 
different people fit or don't fit within teams? Yeah, I actually, I got interested in conflict and how conflict works even in high school. I had a very formative... <laughs> no conflict in high school. Yeah, no, not remember. at all. I had a very formative experience the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I grew up in New Jersey, and I was selected for uh, something called a governor's school, which was a state-level program, I think it's still going on, which were extracurricular summer programs for students who had interests in a variety of different domains, be they art or history. I was selected for a political science opportunity and spent a month at camp uh, in which I was exposed to international relations and got very intrigued by uh, negotiation processes and conflicts. And so I studied conflicts. I focused on that in an international relations context in college and then between college and graduate school, found more affinity and sort of traction around how to study conflict processes in organizations and started really identifying groups and teams as the forum that I was interested in. I'm also interested a lot in more general motivational processes at work and have found a nice opportunity to bridge theory and practice as the faculty director of the Human Resources Roundtable Association, which is called HART. This is a, an association of about 50 HR executives from about 50 companies from primarily Southern California. We have programs that are for the top executive HR professionals in their companies and other programs for what we call the associate members, and they are the high potential direct reports of our executive members. And so kind of the next tier down, we get to be involved in not only the cutting edge topics that are really intriguing for HR practitioners and also the development of the next generation of uh, real top HR executives in some of the biggest companies in Southern California. And that's been a really wonderful experience for me to expand some of my own research interests in domains that are of practical relevance and also to share some of mine and many of my colleagues' research findings with practitioners in ways that can be acted on in practice. Well, I know what I love about our curriculum is that, you know, organizational behavior is a first quarter course mm -hmm. uh, right on the heels of leadership foundation. So yeah. for the brand new uh, class of 2019, you were both the professor for Section 2, mm -hmm. and now you, you're teaching organizational behavior this fall, 409, to Sections 2 and 3. Just for people who are listening, either who've already done your courses or, or prospective future students, what are some of the main themes that, that are always important for you to land, either in Leadership Foundations, mm -hmm. the, the Orientation Week, or then more deeply going in through the fall quarter with organizational mm -hmm. behavior? Because these are young, high potential yeah. FEMBA students, yeah. some of whom are already hiring and firing and, and yeah. dealing with the world of people and, and creating yeah. chemistry. And Yeah, yeah I, uh, I love that I get to interact with our FEMBA students right at the beginning of the program because I think the content that I teach in Leadership Foundations and Organizational Behavior is relevant to and resonates with students from all different functional areas and who have all different types of work ambitions, career ambitions. I think a theme across both of these courses is the importance of self-awareness through sort of genuine introspection and candid, open-minded learning about one's strengths and limitations and contextual awareness about the kinds of situations or types of colleagues, people you work with who may be more challenging or create more opportunities. We cover these kinds of topics related to uh, making decisions, leading teams, motivating employees, 
being persuasive and influential, engaging in negotiations, and a lot of the topics that we introduce in leadership foundations and in organizational behavior, students have opportunities to go more deeply into the suite of electives that are offered primarily by faculty for management and organizations, following directly on the topics from leadership foundations and organizational behavior, but to some extent by faculty from other areas in the school as well. I'm, I'm just wondering, from your research with the firefighters, when, when you have a, a category of female firefighter who's only 4% of a bigger population and is really sort of establishing their own credibility in an area that historically they may not have been seen to be participating in, like what are some of the lessons for FEMBAs in their organizations mm-hmm. on either side where... Mm-hmm. I mean, because we have such a diverse student body. We have people yeah. from so many countries. So we have, I could envision FEMBAs who have the experience of being the, the new man or woman mm-hmm. in an environment establishing themselves. Mm-hmm. Or the flip side, we could have members of the more dominant mm-hmm. historical group. Like, what are some sensitivities that people can take into their life to appreciate whoever might be mm-hmm. on the other group? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the challenges for underrepresented minorities in organizational contexts arise from a perceived lack of fit between that individual and the types of people that we associate more commonly with a particular profession or occupation. So when we're talking about a male-dominated profession like the fire service or business leadership or many STEM fields, the prototypical member is a man, and so you see a woman there. It's um, atypical, and so it's hard for us to see how she fits in that context. And that's just one example of the type of ways in which there may be a, a lack of fit or incongruence between a person from a particular social category and a particular occupation. What I try to talk to my students about is not just what the underrepresented individual can do to try to communicate their competence and mitigate some of the social dynamics that may inhibit their ability to perform optimally or be recognized for performing optimally. It's also to think about how the situation itself influences people's perceptions of them, and particularly when you are in the more dominant majority position, to think about how you can structure or can construct the context in which people are acting and being evaluated in more inclusive ways. So when people use terms diversity, equity, inclusion, the diversity is about the sort of numbers or representation of people and what their characteristics are. The equity inclusion are features of the system that have to do with compensation and recognition opportunities to engage in behaviors that allow you to live up to your true performance potential and other potential in that situation. We can't do much about our demographic characteristics. We can do some things about our behaviors, but there are reasons to resist conforming to majority behavioral expectations. That's not necessarily the right solution. There's a lot that's untapped in terms of thinking about how we can shape the context as managers, as leaders, as teammates, as subordinates in ways that are creating more of an equal playing field and more appreciation for people from diverse backgrounds. One of the things I loved in my organizational behavior class 20 years ago when I earned my MBA was this idea that they they really gave us a long-term horizon, which Mm -hmm. suggested you will be in charge someday, Mm -hmm. and you will have the ability to help create a better culture. Yeah, I think that's an important message for our students because a lot of things we talk about are things that they may not be in a position currently to influence. So the nature of the incentives in the organization or the team processes that they engage in as a member of a team and not a leader of a team. 
but the lessons and the ideas and the concepts and the frameworks and the ways of thinking systematically through problems that we introduce are ones that are useful throughout somebody's career and potentially more and more useful the more senior someone becomes when they're doing less of the hands-on technical work and more of the managing others doing technical work, especially as the breadth of their management and the degree to which they influence strategy and structure increases the more senior they get. So we introduce a lot of things that have long-term potential benefits for our students. The other thing I really enjoy about these classes and that I carry through in the electives that I teach is the pedagogical style is very uh, discussion and experience based. So we do experiential exercises and a lot of case discussions. Also in my elective classes more than in the core classes, particularly through my um, relationship with HR executives at heart, I'm able to bring in a lot of guest speakers who are high-level practitioners in organizations who can talk about their own experiences with the topics that we may be discussing. And I think the benefit of having experiential case discussion and guest speaker-based pedagogy is that it really enables students to internalize the lessons, and I always try to connect in no other way in the last five minutes of the class. Take five minutes and think through or talk through with your neighbor how you could apply this general thing to your problem that you're facing. So for instance, in organizational behavior, we have a segment where we talk about ethics and facing ethical dilemmas and introduce some tools for how to reduce some of the risks of engaging in unethical or suboptimal decisions given our psychological biases and tendencies in those directions. And at the end of it all, we spend a few minutes saying, okay, think about your own ethical dilemmas and how might you apply this technique to confronting your own ethical dilemmas in the future and use this as a way of um, aligning to your own moral compass and your own practice. I hope we've piqued the interest of our listeners who maybe haven't had a chance to have you as their professor in 409. So incentives and motivations in organizations will be a winter quarter elective. Correct. Uh, management 254, I believe. That? That's right. Yep, it'll be offered on Wednesday evenings and it's open to FEMBA students as well as full-time and EMBA students. So uh, it's a nice opportunity for our FEMBA students and others to interact with students from other programs. Not all of our elective offerings are open to all across the board. I really enjoy having the mix of student experiences and perspectives. I think we learn a lot from each other that way. Can we um, tell any of the guest speakers or are they all? Well, I can say so. I'm going to be bringing in three guest speakers. Um, I will have well, the head of talent acquisition for T-Mobile will be coming in to talk about recruitment and retention. Wow. I have director of total rewards for Nike talking about holistic rewards and wellness programs and things like that. And I also have the um, SVP of HR for Colony Capital who's going to be talking about a major organizational change that she's been involved in trying to motivate the employees through this change process, which has been quite challenging. So through their experience, we're going to really learn an immense amount of rich nuance uh, about how the things we talk about in abstract, even with cases, work in the real world. And the students have great opportunities. These are very open, candid, authentic professionals who are really receptive to students asking them the hard questions about, well, how does this really work? You know, mm -hmm. We've been talking about this in class, but how does it really work? Uh, so it's a great opportunity to expose our students to that level of, of really, really rich experience and knowledge. Oh, that sounds great. Any sort of 
stereotypical FEMBA for whom this is the perfect class? I mean, this is bigger than just a person who might be considering HR, This because this is going to be leadership broadly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think anybody who either anticipates that they will be creating incentive structures and anybody who is interested in understanding how their own motivation is affected by the incentive structures they're in. And one of the things that I focus on is not just the extrinsic formal reward structures in terms of pay, compensation, bonuses, things like that, but also how organizations can create highly intrinsically rewarding systems through employee engagement and motivation through a sense of aligning the organizational experience with the employee's sense of purpose and values. And again, like this total rewards, more of a holistic approach to incentives and motivation. So I think it's a class that is of broad potential interests, um, Incentives and motivation is a fundamental tension and capability for any organizational leader. Well, it sounds like a very good use of Wednesday evenings in the winter (laughs) quarter. It sounds like a great course. As we sort of come to the end of our podcast, anything else you would want to share to our FEMBA listeners? Um, I think for prospective FEMBA students, one of the great opportunities about the FEMBA program is the connections you can make between the classroom material and your day-to-day work lives. And one of the most rewarding experiences for me as an instructor in our FEMBA program is when my students come in and say, hey, last week we were talking about whatever, incentives. And so I went back to work. I tried it. I talked to my boss about it. And we're going to do it this way. We're going to do something differently. Like last week we were talking about the importance of initiating developmental feedback and and trying to seek out mentors if you don't have them automatically. Mm -hmm. And the following week I had two students come in and tell me how they had had a meeting with their supervisor and set up monthly developmentally oriented feedback conversations that they'd never had before. And that is immensely rewarding to me, and I think it's also immensely powerful for our students. It's something that's distinct opportunity of the FEMBA program compared to other types of MBA programs. Oh, I love that. Real-time applicability. Mm-hmm. You actually get to see your MBA manifest itself while you're still in your MBA experience exactly, yeah. and on the court of your career. Well, I've had the chance to uh, work with you with several generations of leadership foundations. It's always important to me as the person accountable for admissions that the very first teaching experience our FEMBAs have in leadership foundations is an incredible one. So thank you for making sure that our entering students are impressed with the start of their journey. That um, is always an amazing week. If you could plug some perpetual motion machine into the energy of leadership foundations, we'd take care of our energy grid needs. So. Thank you very much for taking the time on a Friday afternoon. Thank you, Dylan. My pleasure. All right. This is Professor of Management and Organizations, Corinne Bendersky. If you are interested in incentives and motivations in organizations in your current second or third year FEMBA, I hope to see you in the bidding process starting this weekend. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll have another Drive Time podcast. Thanks for being here.